Hey listeners, RK Gold here, and do I have a special guest for you today? You want to hear something shocking? I'm not straight. You want to hear something even more shocking? I'm married to a man. I don't shave any part of my body, and I'm really proud of the hair that I can grow. Savvy is an author, journalist, and activist. She is the author of the new science fiction LGBT plus book, Sculpt Yourself. I'm really lucky and excited to have her for the first episode of my Shout Out Saturday series. So, you're working on your master's in writing and publishing? Uh, yeah. Wh- What's the angle? Are you hoping to cre- down the line as a creator? I know you have your YouTube channel out. I know you have worked now with Represent Publishing, and I think you have self-published work of your own as well. Are you hoping to create your own publishing house? So, sort of. So, I actually, I did start my own business. It's um, Forever Home Friends with the, the books that I write for kids based on real rescue dogs. So, I kind of started that as my own business in 2017, and in... I guess I'm not looking to make it into my own publishing house in the sense that I'm not looking to be like acquiring work from writers and and putting it out there in a publishing house kind of way, but rather I'm looking to kind of take that business that I started and eventually make that like a full-time venture where I'm constantly putting out new books in the series and putting out merchandise that goes with them. So that's kind of my long-term goal with that, that with like novels um i'm looking to just work with other like small presses or maybe a big press one day in the future i don't know i'm kind of open to all options when it comes to novels because i've i'm kind of feeling out that market still it's a pretty fantastic market to be feeling out right now it's it's never been easier to get your voice out there um and it's it's, like the honestly the influx any publishing has sort of a bad reputation for um authors who just couldn't make it traditionally, but you're seeing a lot of traditionally published authors moving over to the indie scene because they've been able to build these brands on their own and then publish their own work and just retain the IP, retain higher royalties, and they also get global distribution without having to navigate the the traditional uh, publishing houses and where their rights extend to. Um, It's a pretty exciting time to be an indie author. I agree. So actually, just yesterday, I submitted an application. I want to do a TED Talk on this, basically, on how the internet is causing the publishing industry to change. And like, print is not dying at all, but it's changing a lot. And it's allowing people to get their voices out there easier than ever. And they're that like a lot of huge corporations are trying to stigmatize that because, you know, obviously, they want to retain the the dominant, like the, the dominance they have over the industry. So I applied yesterday to give a TED talk on this. And I hope I hope it gets accepted. I don't know. So we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully, I'll be talking about that in a few months. Well, I don't know. Just look at how disruptive indie has been now as like, so obviously, there's been an influx of indie authors. So the high, the quality is becoming better, too. I mean, indie books are getting Oh, yeah. And indie books are becoming traditionally published. Uh, that the, they're they're hitting that uh, quality. Indie, they're 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 traditionally published quality. I mean, they're getting very expensive cover designers. They're getting expensive editors to make sure it's perfect. And um, and the only, they're weeding out all of the weaker ones who have just who tr- used to use it as a bit of a scam. And now it's just becoming this amazing field. And just look at what it's done to the erotica genre. I mean, erotica. Oh my God. Definitely. I mean, I'm, I don't know much about the erotica genre, but I do know that like the indie publishing world pretty much like, like the, I don't think you can publish traditionally. I I mean, like, I think you can obviously, but I don't think there's much of a traditional scene for erotica anymore, just because indies are faster. They're more flexible. They're, they're, they have a much stronger connection to their audience. I'm not dissing traditionally published authors. I just mean like, um, indie authors uh, rely on their audience a little more because they obviously don't get that advance. Um, and they have these newsletters that, I mean, at least they're the ones that are talking about it. Traditionally published authors might, but the indie authors are the ones that are talking about how they 
get feedback from their newsletters and are literally talking to the people buying their books and saying, what do you want to read next? And then giving them that. Whereas that's something completely unheard yeah. of in a billion dollar publishing house. Yeah, I think there's definitely a bigger connection to like your readers. And that's kind of what I really like about it is that when I was looking at going into writing books, like you can pitch to agents, you can pitch to publishing houses. But in that case, you're like, you're trying to sell your idea to a company. And then once your book is out, then you're also trying to sell it to your audience with the independent publishing world, you're kind of just selling it directly to the audience. There's no middleman in there. And I mean, there's pros and cons to that, obviously, but I, I do find that appealing. And I think, I think a major reason that there has been a kind of a stigmatization with independent publishing in the past is that um, obviously like before Amazon and before print on demand and before the internet and eBooks and all of that were so big, there was a, a self-publishing industry that was essentially like a glorified pyramid scheme, right? Where you'd pay um, a self-publishing company thousands of dollars to print a book that nobody else wanted and then you would buy your own copies of it and sell those copies to other people and so obviously I can see how that was taking advantage of a lot of writers and why people might be kind of against that but it's when once like the internet came into play the entire game changed and it's like a totally different industry now than it ever was before and you can find people to even uh, translate your books now on these freelance web I mean you obviously want to vet them out a little bit but finding trans Translators has never been easier. Finding, um, as I said before, cover designers and editors has never been easier. You can even create your own merchandise now, and that um, this for a yes. relatively low price. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not it's not like you can go into this with zero money, but you don't have to exactly be pulling in fifty thousand dollars a year to launch an indie career. No, especially like I mean, I guess Forever Home Friends has been my biggest like entrepreneurial venture, where I I kind of launched my series for that on Kickstarter and in. Um, in 2017, I launched a Kickstarter campaign because I was like, hey, I've got this idea. I want to do this series of books where every book is like a kid's book featuring a different on real rescue dogs finding their their forever homes. And the books are going to all teach kids about social justice issues through a dog's eyes. And then we're going to give part of the money to animal shelters. And I had this whole like business model in my mind that also involved like every book is going to have a stuffed animal that goes with it and it's going to have merchandise that goes with it. And I was like, I really just have to build this up myself because I already have this, this whole thing planned. Are so I launched hiring? it on Kickstarter. I got um, $7,000 to start it with. And then I started it up and now it's been growing and I have like all of these like merchandise and items to go with the books. And that's been like the biggest thing I've been trying to focus on for the past couple of years is just like growing this business. And it's been amazing. Well, you're in the right field. I mean, authors love their dogs. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that you could get people to help out with this business pretty easily. Not uh, uh, For one, getting $7,000 for a Kickstarter uh, built around fiction and dogs, that's phenomenal. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's fun what the internet can do. I mean, you really just need an idea now. Um, yeah? Yeah. And well, you need an idea and you also need... Um, like a solid plan of execution because I know there's also like with the internet there are all like the market's very saturated now because so many people who have ideas are like oh there's the internet I can just put my idea out there on the internet but so are millions of other people so you have to have an idea but you also have to have like a solid plan of execution and steps to take towards making that idea come to life and it's difficult but it's not impossible and it's definitely um, more accessible to the majority of people than it ever was before. 
Yeah, I, I um, I the audio cut in and out there. I heard what you said, but the audio cut in, cut in and out there. It's it. There's strong competition, but it's still accessible to others for those who couldn't hear what Savvy said. Unless did did my paraphrasing do it justice? Yeah, I think so. I appreciate it. Um, so long term goals as a creator. I know you're across all these different platforms. What are you doing? Or are you investing a lot of time, energy into building a personal brand? What are you? What are your hopes for that? Yeah, so my long-term goals as a creator are, I mean, I guess right now I am trying to build a personal brand, and there's kind of two brands that I'm trying to build, one being my Forever Home Friends brand, which, you know, is all, it's a very cute aesthetic that is like, we help real rescue dogs, these dogs are so cute, let's connect with their stories, and it's oriented more towards a younger audience, but then I have my other side of me, which is just savvy, like I just go by my first name, and that's where I write novels, and I do videos on YouTube, and I do writing tips, and I do things like that. And right now, it's, I'm kind of struggling to separate these two components of myself. You know, that, like, the people who read my cute books about dogs might not want to read my lesbian sci-fi, which is, like, the only other genre I really write. So it's, like, trying to, trying to kind of develop two different brands for myself right now. Who doesn't love lesbian sci-fi, though? Let's be real. I mean... <laughs> I, I mean, I'm glad you do, because that's that's the majority of what I'm writing outside of books about dogs nowadays. Well, I mean, it, they're both cute stories, just different kinds of cute. <laughs> to I would agree, yeah. To make it clear, we're not talking about lesbian erotica. These, these are, like, cute oh, romances. Oh, right, no, not erotica, yeah. I actually, I don't write erotica. Um, I can't. I actually don't know about that industry, even though I keep hearing that there's a lot of money in it, which is great, but I, I don't know much about it, but yeah. And I guess that's another thing is like, I, I do some writing, like my new novel that I just released, Sculpt Yourself, is in the new adult category, and a lot of books in the new adult category are erotica, but this book is not erotica, it's like a um, soft sci-fi piece, and you know, because you, you read the book, but yeah. Yeah, and new adult, it's one of those genres that's real, I feel like I could be speaking completely out of my butt right now, but I feel like it's really trying to define itself because it's it's almost like young adults awkward cousin like people <laughs> like people don't yeah it, sometimes people will write it and they'll be like they'll try and sell it as and I'm talking about the ones that are actually new adult, not the ones that are just ke uh conquering the adult term and then putting erotica up there, but it's yeah it's twenty year olds and I, I know usually, um, I know usually people like to read a little older than themselves. So like middle grade is a story of preteens and it's going to be read by seven to nine year olds. And then young adult is teenagers and it's going to be read by preteens and young teens. But then new adult comes around and it's like the 20 year olds that could be reading that are just, <laughs> they're actually going back and reading YA or they're reading full on adult novels. That's true. And I, I guess I think the reason that like, because, like, the young adult as a genre didn't really exist until probably, I don't know, like, The Catcher in the Rye or something. I feel like that was, like, a like a turning point for young adult as a genre starting to exist. Because until that point, like, in history, people didn't really understand that being a teenager was this point in between childhood and adulthood. And now, with the way that culture is evolving, we have this, like, new adulthood, which is, like, a totally new stage of life that people hadn't thought of before. Like, in the past, it was, like... You were a kid, you were a teenager, you were an adult. Now, like, this whole stage of your college years through, like, your late 20s, early 30s, like, that's 
its own stage of life now that has like its own cultural significance. And so I think that's why the new adult genre is starting to emerge. And I think that's probably going to grow as this like section of life becomes more significant to a lot of people. You're right. The distance between time is being spread out. I think maybe because people might be trying to capture their childhood a little more. I'm not sure that again could just be me. Yeah, lying. maybe. Yeah. But it's like, I agree. It used to be the, uh, the riddle of the Sphinx of, uh, you have four legs, two legs, three legs, and now it's, no, it's not just childhood, adulthood, old and death, it's, uh, you know, the difference between me at 16 and me at 21 is huge, and they need their own stories. Right, that's so true, yeah, I, I would say so, especially because, like, when people are going through those teenage years, that's, when, like, when your brain is developing the most, and I think they say, like, your brain doesn't fully finish developing until you're, like, 26, so... Like the the way that humans change and the way that their interests and their knowledge and their perception of the world changes, it makes a lot of sense to section those off into different audiences for literature. So what did you study in undergrad? You brought up Catcher in the Rye like it was no big deal. Was there an English degree? <laughs> so in undergrad, I actually, I was a communication student. I specialized in film and I mostly focused in screenwriting. Um, so that was mostly what I did in undergrad, but I also took a lot of English classes as well. So I was like trying to work toward an English like double major, um, but that didn't work out. But then when I went to grad school, now I'm getting my, my master's in writing and publishing, which mostly has to do with like creative writing classes and also some classes about like editing and book promotion and those kind of things. Are you more passionate about? More passionate? Oh God, there's my echo. One second. So are you, would you say you're more passionate about writing fiction or screenplays? Because you, so you got your start with screenplays. I, I guess right now, do you watch more movies or read more books? Oh, that's hard. Right now, I probably read more books, but I would say I watched more movies. I don't know. I, I, I really like writing in both genres. I just think that like in, in the screenwriting world, it's very hard to break in. There's like many barriers to entry that are not there now in the literature world. And like, sometimes I still enjoy like making um, short films with other people or like making movies and, and that kind of thing. But it's, it's really, really hard to build that up as a career um, unless you want to kind of go like the Hollywood route or like the full independent film route. And I was just more passionate about the writing aspect itself and going into the independent books um, direction. So I would say that, Right now, I'm probably more passionate about writing books, but I, I do, you know, I if in the future I ever got the chance to adapt one of my books into a movie in a screenplay, that would be a dream come true. What if you did it right now? What if you just started writing the Sculpture Self screenplay and you, and you said, hey, this is how it's doing in Amazon, capture this momentum, turn it into a movie. I, I do understand where you're coming from, though. I mean... Movies are great. Personally, to answer my own question, I actually probably watch more movies than I read books. It's not that I don't read books. Okay. I, I hit my Goodreads goal. I've read 51 books so far this year. But I know movies, I probably double that. Um, but movies are so much more expensive to make. I mean, for yeah. us, for us personally, okay, maybe, maybe not you. I, I'm going to speak for me personally. The most I'll spend on publishing a book is like $2,000. And that's the most. Yeah, I don't think I've ever even invested. I mean, other than Forever Home Friends, where I started with the 7000 I raised on Kickstarter, but that was because I was trying to build up an entire business with, like, um, registering my, um, what's it called, my LLC and 
um, like doing my merchandise and like starting all of that up. But other than that, like to just do one individual book that's like not illustrated and doesn't have anything else to go with it. I don't think I've ever put more than like, I don't know, three or $400 into it at a time because I, I don't like to have that much of an upfront cost. Um, I hear you. Like, so I hear you. Like, yeah. Oh shoot! There's my also because I do I do a lot of art, so I generally am able to make my own covers and stuff like that. So it's not been um, that I haven't had to put that much money into it. You designed uh, sculpt yourself. Oh god, what's going on with my echo? (laughs) Um, yeah, I I did. I made that cover. It's a it's a really I I like it a lot. It's really simple, but it looks really professional. Thank you. I appreciate that. I always worry that, like, I don't want to admit to people that I made my own covers because I feel like it's going to make me look either like someone who has a big ego and thinks I can make covers or it makes me look like a person who, like, couldn't afford to have someone else make a cover. You're either pretentious or... But I I like doing it. I think it's fun. I mean, I wish I could. I I sometimes joke that I write because I can't uh, paint or draw. (laughs) But... Oh, man. No, like, my Beds Are For Flowers cover, I spent 15 bucks on it. I bought a stock image and then I just did a few edits to it on Photoshop. Yeah. And then my, my editing, since it was so short and I pay a half cent a page, I think it was only a couple hundred bucks. And then the marketing cost, I haven't put more than, I honestly want to say at most a hundred bucks into it. So I, I pretty much, I, I want to say I've pretty much broken even on that. It, like I said, this it, I'm still in the process like you of building a brand. Um, what are some of the biggest obstacles you think you're facing at the moment? So my biggest obstacle would probably be that like throughout my life, I've always been a person who's, and I guess it's very rare for writers to be like super extroverted, but I'm like extroverted to a fault. Like I need to be like in front of other people all the time, talking to other people, presenting things to other people. And nowadays with the internet being the hugest thing, like growing up, I just never put that much effort into building social media or spending time on the internet because as a kid, I just wanted to be talking to other people face to face all the time. So then when social media, like I think Facebook started becoming a thing when I was like towards the middle of high school and at that point I was like resistant to it because I was like "Uh, I don't really I don't know why people have to interact on the internet I can just talk to people on the phone you know so I was kind of resistant to that throughout my life so it took me a long time to get used to understanding what social media is and how the internet works and I guess that's that's a pro and a con it's an obstacle because you know I look back at myself when I was when I was um about 13 years old it was 2005 and that's like just when YouTube started and I was constantly making little stop-motion videos I was constantly making like silly videos all the time and I didn't put them on YouTube because I just didn't see the purpose of it I just like made videos and showed them to my friends and we laughed about it but I'm like if I had started a YouTube channel then I could have built up such an audience already by now before it got so saturated so you're Twitter a long time ago I like you know so I'm looking back at it and I'm like man I got on the internet game kind of late but then I guess the positive side to that is I'm always trying to book speaking engagements for myself and trying to you know have readings and have launch parties and have things like that where I'm engaging people in person and like for forever home friends I do a lot of events where I'm a vendor at art and craft fairs so I'm good at like engaging with customers one-on-one so I guess it's a strength in that way, but it's also a weakness in that I, I really want to learn more about how to like reach 
once over the internet. And as I'm learning more about how to do that, I think that's going to be beneficial in the long run. Well, the internet's great for reach, but uh, one thing, I mean, I know authors tend to be a little bit more introverted, but one thing that we can't really sleep on is the power of a handshake is going to be better than the power of uh, watching a video or interacting on Twitter. If you, if you can shake someone's hand, look them in the eye, and tell them about what you're doing, you're far more likely to convert each handshake into a fan down the line than each video of you. I think that is true, because like when I when I meet people at events, like I, I think my percentage of how many books I sell at an event is much higher than the percentage of how many people buy from having followed me on social media or whatever. So I definitely think that's true. But then there's also the, the obstacle of like, I can't be in a thousand places at once. You know, I only have so much time and there are only so many places I can physically go. So, you know, it's about trying to expand that reach as well. And I'm so sorry, my dog is barking, Chewy. Dog barking is a good distraction. I love dogs. I, I have one myself and then I usually watch my parents' dog as well. They're best friends. Aww. So cute. Oh yeah, I love dogs. My like my 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 dream down the line is to uh, own an animal sanctuary, live off of just enough to keep the animal sanctuary up and running, and then donate the rest to other animal charities. That's wonderful. Well, we should work together at some point. Oh, that's why I asked if you were hiring. Yeah. I would love to work for you. <laughs> Wait, did you ask that? Oh my god. Oh, half jokingly, yeah, but half serious. More like when we're done with this, sure. Would love to. Would love to hear more about ways that we could get involved in the uh, well for one i have a question for you and this is obviously now going to be on the record oh uh, i guess with um with shelters so d the shelters that you work with locally do they, they i take it they have photographers that take pictures of the dogs um that are up for adoption do you get to know any of those photographers and utilize some of those pictures in your work or would that not blend well well, what I kind of do with shelters is, so right now I'm partnered with this one shelter called Alive Rescue, which is where my dog Chewy is from. Oh, and Chewy. so I wrote a book based on Chewy. And then recently, I'm the, the new book I have coming out is called Kringle's Christmas. It's coming out actually one week from today, which is exciting. Um, but that book is based on a dog that, what at the time, oh, this is such a sad story. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. At the time when I was writing this story, he was a dog who was still at their shelter. And I was hoping that this book could maybe like help him get some additional fans. You know, he might like, like the reader might be the right home for him and it might help him out. Um, so he's a dog who's deaf and came to the shelter on Christmas one year, like two years ago. Um, and so he was having like, he, you know, he's deaf. He was having a hard time getting adopted. He had some, some difficulties from his past, but he found a shelter with people who love him on Christmas. So I was telling the story of that in a Christmas story. And then the dog, he unfortunately passed away while I was in the middle of getting the book illustrated, oh. which was just devastating. But so, um, but he had a huge fan base at that oh. shelter. So I would decided to do the book as like in memory of him. Because in the back of each Forever Home Friends book, we have a page that has, um, like, information about the dog in real life, like who they are, whether they've been adopted already, what their real life story is, and a photo of them in real life. So this dog, um, I, I used a photo that one of the photographers at the shelter took as his real life photo, and then I wrote up a little blurb about him and what his real story was. And then, I, you know, I had to mention, you know, he unfortunately passed away. However, it was still kind of a happy ending because right before he passed away, he was actually adopted by a group of the volunteers who worked at the shelter because they loved him so much. And they were like, we got to adopt him. So it was it was very cute, actually. Oh, so he got um, his love and family. So, what? I said, so he got some he got a family by the end. 
He did get a family, yeah. Although, unfortunately, he it was at the very end of his life. But oh, yeah, poor baby. He was a cutie. I think you'll like the book. <laughs> I think I'll cry. Yeah, that book might make people cry. That's why the one that's coming out, the one I have planned that I haven't announced yet, that's going to be the fifth one, is going to be just like a completely funny book about a dog who's in real life. So um, it's going to be like all humor in that one because I'm like, after this one, I can't like, I have to lighten the mood a little bit because people are going to be so like emotional about him. Yeah, the world needs a little bit more laughter. Um. And then, yeah, for, for, the, for this book I'm doing, um, like, my launch party is, like, it's going to be called the Happy Holidays Party, and I'm having it on December 1st in Chicago, and I'm partnering up with the shelter on that, and they're going to be bringing some of their people, and we're going to be doing, like, a, a food and toy drive for them as well. That's, like, if you bring an item to donate, then you'll get entered into a raffle to win something. So it's going to be a lot of trying to help out the shelter, but also um, doing a signing of the book. So hopefully that'll be a lot of fun. Savvy, thank you so much for being on. I was wondering if you have any uh, final words of wisdom for creators out there who, for one, want to find you and get be inspired by your work, and two, maybe you've been a little too intimidated to get started on their journey. Um, I guess my best advice for other people would be um, I guess like I could say, you know, just do it, just go for it. And I a hundred percent truly believe in that, but I know that everyone's heard that a million times before. So I'd say my best advice to people who aren't sure how to get started, I would say break down your goals into as many small goals as possible. Like take, what's your biggest goal, look forward in the future and say like, what's your dream? Where do you want to end up? Okay. What are the bigger steps you need to take to get there? So you say like, you know, I want to be a full-time author in the future. Okay, what do you need to do to get there? You need to write a book first. You need to sell a book. You need to have books that go, that audiences are reading. Okay, so those are smaller steps. Now, each of those steps break down. What point do you need to get to to get a book published? Well, first you have to write it. What are the steps to writing a book? Well, maybe we outline first. So taking each big goal and breaking it down into as many smaller goals as possible and then giving yourself like an estimate of like, when do you think you could do each one? And then holding yourself accountable to that. You can get a lot accomplished if you just take these big daunting tasks and look at them in individual pieces. So that would be my best advice for that. Um, in terms of where to find me, I have my website is SavvyLizer.com. That's where I do my blog. I do book reviews and writing tips and that kind of stuff on there. I also have foreverhomefriends.com, and that's forever spelled with, like, F-U-R, like fur, because they're dogs. Mm -hmm. So you go to foreverhomefriends.com to see stuff about my books about the dogs. Um, and then you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Savvylizer. It's just my name. Um, so, yeah, that's where I'm at. Thank you so much for being on, Savvy. Thank you.